Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We have been reading in the book of Exodus. Now, last time we read Exodus chapter 12. And at the end of chapter 12, well, basically chapter 12, God gave the rules for the memorial of the Passover and how they would do that. He also instructed them on how to have this first Passover meal and to be ready to leave. It's kind of it's kind of a sign of how even when we have we have communion and it's tied to the Passover meal. That's how Jesus instituted that. And it should be a sign that while we're remembering the Lord and acknowledging God and thanking him for all that he's doing for us, we should also be ready to take action and ready to move and ready to do something. Ready to do what? Ready to follow the Lord, ready to follow God, ready to do what we should be doing in our lives as a Christian. At the end of Exodus chapter 12, we have these final two verses. Then all the Israelites did so. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very same day, the Lord brought the Israelites out of the land of Egypt by their hosts, their tribal armies. And that means they were organized in such a way as they could fight. And I think of it as they were also guarding their women and children and everything, trying to keep everyone safe. Now we're ready to read Exodus chapter 13. The Lord said to Moses, saying, Sanctify to me, that is, set apart for my purpose, every firstborn, the first offspring of every womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of animal, it is mine. Moses said to the people, Remember, solemnly observe and commemorate this day on which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage and slavery, for by a strong and powerful hand the Lord brought you out of this place. And nothing leavened shall be eaten. On this day in the month, Abib, you are about to go onward. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land of abundance flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep and observe this right service in this month. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten throughout the seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you, nor shall there be leaven within the borders of your territory. You shall explain this to your son on that day, saying, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. It shall serve as a sign on you, on your hand, arm, and as a reminder on your forehead, so that the instruction, law of the Lord, may be in your mouth. For with a strong and powerful hand, the Lord brought you out of Egypt. Therefore, you shall keep this ordinance at this time from year to year. Now, the Passover was a yearly, week-long event. 
Now, and I did mention that Jesus, due to the way he instituted the communion, he tied it to the Passover. Now, I don't, I don't mean that like he tied it to it like we have to follow that. But I just mean it was supposed to be an important event for us as Christians. It's supposed to be an important Passover type of event for us. And he told us as often as we do it, and we do it more often. We don't, we don't do that once a year. We don't necessarily do it once a month. Some, some of us do it weekly. It is a special celebration of the life that Jesus the Lord bought for us. The fact that he, through his sacrifice, purchased this New Testament for us. He, this new covenant. And with his blood, he makes it possible for us to go to God and be in right standing with God. It's not anything that we can do for ourselves. So it's, it's tied to the Passover in a way in that it involves us being sealed and protected and passed over from judgment by his blood, like they were for the blood of the Passover. They, they put the blood on their door lentils and they were passed over. So it's a, a similar idea. And it's e- even in a way, in a spiritual sense, it is a similar practice in that the Lord's blood is what protects us and seals us and keeps us from that judgment for what we, we rightfully honestly deserve, but allows us instead to go to God the Father and be spiritually in his presence and be able to uh, communicate with him and bring our prayers to him. And he looks on us as like Jesus. Well, this was their Passover. This is similar in that this was a reminder to them of how he brought them out of bondage We were brought out of the bondage of sin. They were brought out of actual physical bondage. They're told to keep this ordinance time from year to year. And people may only do communion year to year for that kind of reason. You know, some people could take that and maybe take that as well, since it's part of, because Jesus did institute it at the time of the Passover. But for us, the communion is a very short uh, ritual. It's not even, we don't even consider it like a full meal really uh, anymore. You know, back in the past, they handled things differently because it was just, like I said, this was a whole different situation for them. But for us, we've, we've uh, pared it down to a few moments every week that we take to acknowledge and remember and celebrate the Lord's sacrifice for us. All right, I want to continue on. Now it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanite, as he swore to you and your fathers and gives it to you, you shall set apart and dedicate to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem by substituting a lamb as a sacrifice for it. But if you do not wish to redeem it, then you shall break its neck, and every firstborn among your sons you shall redeem, that is, buy back from God with a suitable sacrifice. 
And it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What does this mean? You shall say to him, With a strong and powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of bondage and slavery. For it happened when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, that the Lord struck every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animal. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all the males, the first to be born of every womb, but every firstborn of my sons I redeem. So it shall serve as a sign and reminder on your left hand arm and as frontlets between your eyes, for by a strong and powerful hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. So it happened when Pharaoh let the people go. God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was nearer, for God said, The people might change their minds when they see war, that is, there will be war, and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. The sons of Israel went up in battle array, orderly ranks, marching formation out of the land of Egypt. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had solemnly ordered, placed under an oath, the Israelites, saying, God will assuredly take care of you, and you must carry my bones away from here with you. They journeyed from Succoth in Goshen and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The presence of the Lord was going before them by day in a pillar, column of cloud, to lead them along the way, and in a pillar of fire by night, to give them light so that they could travel by day and by night. He did not withdraw the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from going before the people. Now that is the end of Exodus chapter 13. Now, when we look at this last bit here, I want us to notice a couple of things. See, God doesn't always do things the way maybe we think he should or would. Notice he he led them around a little longer way to keep them from, you know, experiencing or seeing the possibilities or, you know, the war and the fighting um, to try to give them a little peace and to try to keep them from being worried or scared. Much as you might do for your child, you might shelter them from seeing certain things you don't want them to be worried about or scared about. And two, notice, now notice the way this is about the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire by night and day. We, I think, I think sometimes we forget about that or we take it for granted. And I'm sure that they did, and I'm not trying to make fun. When we get accustomed to having something all the time, we start to take it for granted. And he said, it says, he did not withdraw the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night. So they had this, this whole time, they would have seen this from God, this whole time, every day, all the time, they were, they were doing this, this march, this travel. So it's something to try to keep in mind that, that they're seeing this every day, by day a pillar of cloud and by night a pillar of fire. And it's just a small, like a small piece of God's power 
and and the fact that he cares and that he's leading them out. And it's something they would have seen, like I said, every day. They would have seen that the whole time. And I know how we are. We we take things for granted. We get kind of lackadaisical. We, oh, it's that again. Oh, we've I've seen that. Oh, I'm so tired of seeing that. I, I know how we are. But I'm just saying that's something to think about that. They had this all the time. And I know it's just a tiny representation, but it's a it's a small bit of God's power. It's not something you would normally see every day in everyday life. And the idea of redeeming our firstborn, it reminds me of the idea that remember when Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, that God gave him, I believe it was a ram. He gave him a substitute sacrifice. Because God wanted Abraham to sacrifice to him, and he offered Isaac his son. But God said, no, don't, don't do that. Instead, use this as a substitute. And so that became a practice for them, even for all their firstborn children, that they would redeem, that they would offer. In, in, in essence, they're reenacting that in a, in a kind of way, in that they're saying that if I do not redeem my child, if I do not offer this thanksgiving to God for my child, then I, then I should instead be sacrificing my child, which God doesn't want that. Okay, God has plainly shown that he does not want that. But by comparison, notice the option if you don't. And this is in verse 13. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem by substituting a lamb as a sacrifice for it. But if you do not wish to redeem it, then you shall break its neck. So notice that that is a big deal. And that's done and mentioned almost as a comparison with the other. But God knew that they would need like these donkeys, these certain these animals, they would need these animals for their livelihood, for their work. They knew that they would need it. So he allowed for them to redeem that. Now you notice he didn't tell them that they had the option of not redeeming their children. God does not want children sacrificed, does not want human sacrifice, really. The idea that they would redeem or buy back their children from God, that's their only option. He's not giving them any other option because he doesn't want them killing their children. I, I think that's why when I read that at first, I was like, wow, I'm going to have to think about that and come back to it. But if you'll notice, yeah, God does not give you a choice with your children. Now, with a donkey, with an animal, he says, well, you can redeem it as needed or not. But with your children, no, you shall redeem your children. You shall not. You shall not um, be cruel to your children. You shall not kill your children. So that's why the firstborn were always redeemed with a sacrifice. And I think of it as a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Anyway, that was just some extra thoughts of mine. This has been Exodus chapter 13. Hope you have a wonderful day. May God bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.